Hey everyone, Keith Billick here. Welcome to another episode of the Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast. I hope you are all having a great day today. I am always having a great day when I get a chance to talk to you all about life. And by life, I mean banjos and banjo music, of course. And well, this is one of those days, so I'm happy you can join me for this. You know what? It's not too often that I get to announce an official Picky Fingers Live event, but here we go. I have just planned to be at Elderly Instruments up in Lansing, Michigan on Saturday, March 9th to interview the great Jim Pankey. A lot of you know him from his, uh, his fantastic banjo playing and his amazing instructional videos that he has all over social media and YouTube. So I can't wait to talk to Jim, ask him about all that stuff and a lot more. And it's going to happen live in front of listeners. So if you are there, you might even get the chance to ask your own question of Jim and make it on the podcast yourself. That's when you've really hit the big time, folks. And Jim is actually doing his own separate Meet the Banjo event right before the interview. So check all that out on Elderly's website. That's elderly.com. You know, between Elderly Instruments and Peghead Nation and Sullivan Banjos, I'm really lucky to have some amazing sponsors of the show. But you know what really ties that all together is the support of you listeners. And uh, the VIP listeners of the show, the very important pickers, are the ones who sign up over on patreon.com slash banjo podcast to throw in a few dollars per month just to support what I do and make sure the show keeps happening. And let me tell you, I could not do it without supporters such as Dalton Howard. Dalton is the VIP supporter of the show. He said he started listening to the episodes from the beginning, and at the time that he emailed me, he was on episode 25. So he might not hear this for, I don't know, a couple years. I'm not sure how fast he's listening, but either way, Dalton, whenever you're hearing this, I still appreciate all of your generous support. And, uh... Once again, all the support of everyone just like yourself who signed up on patreon.com slash banjo podcast. Check that out. There's amazing rewards in exchange. You can also email the show at pickyfingersbanjopodcast at gmail.com or track me down on social media. Give me all the, you know, likes and follows on the, the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube. That all really helps a lot. So if you're listening to this on one of those platforms, please just, you know, click the buttons. Freshly picked episode to look at the brand new solo album from the king of jamgrass banjo himself, Kyle Tuttle. A lot of you regular listeners might remember getting to know Kyle a bit way back in episode 18. 
So we were way overdue for uh, checking up on Kyle, hearing what he has been up to. Well, I'm here to tell you that Kyle is much more than just a dude who looks super cool jumping around on stage with his crazy green hair and whatnot. He can outright pick. He's the full-time banjoist for the Grammy award-winning group Molly Tuttle and Golden Highway. And he's just recorded an outstanding banjo album, which I was very excited to talk to him about here. And uh, you'll get to listen to it right now. So give a warm picky fingers welcome to Kyle Tuttle talking about his brand new album titled Labor of Lust. So hey, Kyle, it's great to see you again. We're here to talk about your new album, which is called Labor of Lust. But before we launch into that, I I looked it up and it was actually like five years ago that you were last on the podcast. So I know that a lot has happened with you in the meantime. Give us like a whirlwind uh, update uh, on the life of and and the banjo playing career of Kyle Tuttle since, since we last spoke. What are you up to? Uh, wow. Okay. Right on. Yeah. Howdy, Keith. It's awesome to be here, man. Stoked, stoked to be back for, uh, for round two, uh, with you, you know, uh, yeah. Whirlwind five years of my life. Uh, let's see. Um, I was, uh, let's see when I, when we last spoke, I was playing in Jeff Austin's band and that's what we were. And you came to the gig right at, um, so no, I came to uh you had you had filled in on a stretch with um, uh it was with Town, Town Mountain. Mountain mm-hmm. But I believe you were in Jeff Austin's band at that time and you were maybe in the infancy stages of getting the KTB off the ground and this is pre-COVID of course. Right. Okay, yeah, cuz um, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm thinking about the um I'm thinking about the room there at the Otis Supply, you know, where we right. where we sat in the in the back and did the interview. Um, exactly. And uh, yeah, I had been there with. Um, I was there a couple times with Jeff, and then I was also there with the Town Mountain fellers. So uh, you're yeah. right. That's the time. That's the time that it was. But, you know, since then, I've I've done a handful of gigs, handful of ups, a handful of downs, <laughs> as as yeah. you'll have, you know. Uh, as we'll all have, um, and and the music, you know, semi reflects that. I mean, I guess that some of the rec- some of the parts on this record, some of the tracks on this record, are about as old as that meeting that we had together. Hmm. You know, um, interesting. Some of it was uh, recorded in the fall of 2018. So uh, this record, I guess, pretty well spans that that whirlwind of uh, of information. You know. KTB was in its infancy. You're right. There was, uh, and that was a big focus for me at that time. COVID sort of got in the way, you know, slowed slowed down the the momentum that I had, if any, just to to towards actually playing shows and stuff. Yeah. And I had drums in the in the band at that time in my band. You know, mostly I had a had my buddy James playing drums and uh, James Kittleman, and uh, the Great. the COVID thing. One of the I ended up for some reason just out of ease I guess turning it my my band sort of into a trio you know I, it, it's uh, it, I started having the bass and the fiddle and the banjo so the the big fiddle and the little fiddle and me you know and I found that I really liked the sound of that 
that as a unit. You know, you can kind of fake being a little bluegrass band. You're not quite a bluegrass band, but you got enough of the elements to 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 fake it for a little while, you know. Um and Yeah, most of the timbres are there somewhere. Yeah, the fiddle and the banjo yeah. do a lot there, you know, and the fiddle can chop pretty mm -hmm. good, so when the so when the banjo's rolling and the fiddle's chopping or 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 uh, or even playing long stuff, it can feel <clears throat> It can feel enough like a bluegrass band, but then we can also do some real creative other texture, textural stuff, you know, and the, the looseness of the show and the, the improv areas get a little bit easier when you got just three people. So anyway, that was, that yeah. was COVID sort of did that to my band. <laughs> and so, um, un unexpectedly, but it, but that was kind of cool, you know? Uh, and mm -hmm. so some of the record reflects that. I ended up playing with the Little Smokies for a year, um, mm. and uh, so that was that was a big part of getting back out of that thing and getting on the road. It also slowed down my time doing KTB stuff because I spent a lot of time out with the Smokies. And then yeah. I got a call from Molly Tuttle, uh, the one and only Molly Tuttle that was creating Golden Highway, you know. And so that's obviously the kind of call that you don't uh, turn down when you get. Yeah, I mean, cor correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, you know, you've played in some real nice jam bands, Lil Smokies, Jeff Austin, and, and such, but uh, it seems like Molly's band is really broadening the visibility and the type of headlining shows that you've done. Is that fair to say? That's, yeah, that's absolutely true, for sure. So talk a little bit about the main things that, I don't know, you had going for you that prepared you for that gig, or maybe some like challenges of being in a band that has taken the next step like that? What are, what are some of the challenges that maybe you didn't see coming? Yeah, that's a good question. That's a, that's kind of, that's kind of a hard question, I guess. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the bigger stages are, are different sound wise. I mean, I guess that's, that might be a big, a big part of it. You know, you start to, you start to be louder and when you're louder, there's more potential for, something like feedback with your instrument, uh, you know, on a basic level, but also you just hear your instrument more, you know, and you, and you want it to sound as good as you can. And, uh, yeah. you know, so there's, so it sort of brings a, and, and you, then you, then we start, we have our own crew of people traveling with us, you know, running our monitors and running our front of house every night. Uh, so that gives us m more stability in that we've got the same situation sort of being recreated and more people that that know how to treat the sounds that we're working on and understand where you're at so that's cool you know that's a nice that's a nice uh nice new element of it for sure yeah that's got to be helpful mm -hmm. so, someone like me I, I i think maybe the thing that i wonder about the most never having been in that position myself is like are there different things that you need to do either physically or mentally as a banjo player to like be ready for those types of situations or is it kind of just the same thing just on a different scale i think it's i feel like it's the same thing on a different scale you know it's 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 more of um if anxiety you know anxiety gets to anybody you know at at, at some point there's no uh nobody's mm -hmm. totally getting away from it you know um <laughs> Yeah, like it or not. And when you get in front of, you know, bigger audiences and stuff, I, there's there's a little bit more of a, of like a 
oh man, I hope I do a good job. I hope we do a good job tonight. You know, I hope this is, uh-huh. this is not disappointing to the people uh, or, or to, or to someone's expectations of it or something, I guess, you know, maybe the, the pressure, maybe there's a little more pressure, but uh, I try not to think about that. <laughs> yeah. Or at least try to make it work for you instead of against you yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And it's not, uh, you know, it's, there's, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's not, that to me this the bigger stuff isn't nerve-wracking it's it's exciting you know nice nice well it's a well it's an awesome show man i've caught you a couple times it's it's totally badass thank you very much so let's dive into the to the album which i think anyone who's followed your career will be pleasantly rewarded that it seems to be like a a tour of all of uh I don't know all the sides of, of Kyle Tuttle all in the all in this album or at least it seems like it a, a lot of different facets so like the first song which is hard to say which is also the first single off the, the record Feeling like I'm running in my place Closing in about to lose that race It's hard to say what makes a good man act that way Maybe longing for another time and place and this one's an original song and so i guess i'm also wondering is songwriting a new thing for you i know your first album was all instrumental if i'm remembering right so i'm wondering if this is a new thing or maybe you just haven't bothered to show it off so much and kept it a secret well, I've I've always been I've always been writing. You know, I mean, I was in a punk rock band when I was a teenager and wrote uh-huh. uh, wrote screaming songs about being a vegetarian and how it would save the world <laughs> uh, if, if uh, nobody ate meat anymore and, and ridiculous things like that. Not I shouldn't say ridiculous things like that. Heartfelt, strong opinions like that. You know, yeah. so I've so I've been writing, <laughs> I've been writing something forever but i don't know i wasn't trying to do that with my band maybe it, it took a while the for that to come around you know because that first record like you said is an instrumental record uh, once i took a band on the road to tour that bobcat album you know, around 2016 i didn't want to just have play an instrumental show uh and i wanted to sing some songs and have that be a part of of the event, but I don't write a lot, you know, I've, I've, um, I, it comes in waves and, uh, it's not like a craft. I don't like craft it really. Not like, at least not like right. some Nashville cats do, you know? Absolutely. But even despite the fact that maybe you don't craft it, as you put it, I don't know if I would consider it a concept album, but it, there are a lot of songs that seem to reflect sort of that same idea that you've already mentioned about having some ups and downs and, having to find ways of, of persevering and, and psyching yourself up for whatever the next challenge is going to be. Was that intentional? Did you, did you write songs in the same vein or is that just reflective of where you were at the point? Um, you know, that, I, that wasn't, it wasn't intended that way uh, at all. Loss is definitely an undertone of the album, you know, loss and, and dealing with it. Death and and just and just mourning change uh, changing situations in life and throughout the making of the record which is a long time you know the, the record took about five years or something to for me to finish making and during that time uh we lost our buddy jeff austin you know who was a big influence on me he was my boss at the time 
Right. Uh, but he was also a friend, you know, uh, and he uh, and and a, and and a bigger and more importantly than either of those things, probably an influence to me over time, you know, and, and during the formative years of my uh, of my jam grass um, career uh, thing, getting into the Honor Mountain String Band. But, you know, but then I also ended up going through a divorce during those years, shortly after losing Jeff. And then COVID happened. So that was a you know, that's a big we all dealt with lots of things there, you know, so, uh, and the record, and I kept working on that record. So anyway, I realized after, I realized that loss was becoming a theme, sort of, of, of the album, you know, um, but it didn't, yeah. um, as I was making it, I, I realized that, obviously, but I didn't start out to, to make a record to deal with that. And I, and I don't want that, to, I don't want, I don't mean to say that it's only about that. I wouldn't say that's the only thing theme on the record it just happens to be there <laughs> right definitely not and even e even the parts that are maybe about that it's usually left with a, a more hopeful positive kind of vibe to it as well it's not just woe is me kind of stuff yeah well that's the goal i don't want to bring anybody down you know i mean i would, <laughs> I would hope not at least not too far down you know well, speaking banjoistically, anyone who is expecting just a straightforward bluegrass record only gets about, I don't know, a minute and a half, two <laughs> minutes into it before, uh-oh, it, it's getting weird already. We're definitely going to talk a lot on this uh, chat that we're having about banjo tone because there's a lot of different tones on this album and also i just put together my first uh banjo pedal board so i'm ah. endlessly curious about all the all the stuff okay um so the main one we hear on this track is is our good old friend the uh the envelope filter which um those are kind of tricky to to dial in anyone who's messed with those any tips for envelope filter people what's your what's your stomp box of choice have you tried a bunch out or what's what's the deal with that um yeah man i've I've used a bunch over the years or at least a few over the years and you're right it is a tricky sound there's a uh <clears throat> my favorite at the moment is um the mutron four i think it's the most it's the most common or sorry the most uh most recent one the they've there's the okay. microtron sorry the mutron mutron brand makes a microtron four i think that's what it's called there's several okay editions but the the four i think is the most current one i don't have eyes on the board right now but um <laughs> but uh it's uh it's and that's you know jerry used the mutron so it's like it's the jerry garcia sound It's my favorite of all the ones that I've used, um, and it's right and there's and you know I mean I looked uh, my tone deal is I just like right there in the in in the little uh, booklet that comes with the thing. It's like 
shows you a bunch of different settings, you know, and it's like, this is the Jerry Garcia sound, you know, and it's like the, the peak, whatever the peak and gain, there's only three knobs on the thing. So there's, it's yeah. a, it's a pretty foolproof. I've used some other ones that have a lot of parameters, you know, and, uh, this one mm -hmm. just seems to sound, just seems to get you there without, without a lot of options, which is great. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny on that on, you can, um, uh, one thing that's funny is on, on hard to say there when it goes into the bridge part and you hear all the uh everything takes a vibe change you can definitely hear me stepping on pedals in the in the room there's like a couple little clicks in the in the okay in the thing if you hear if you listen close in the little in the down zone there because it was all recorded live so i'm just like dancing around in the in the room there it's probably my vocal mics picking it up or or, or something who knows what it is but it's there yeah yeah Oh, that's perfect. That's that's cool to know that you were doing all that live. I know a lot of people get into the reamping and and whatever else, but it's it's cool that you just did the straight in. Yeah, I I prefer nice. I prefer it that way. I think it's it's you know because then everybody's it's just everyone's hearing it. You know, everyone's hearing it live. Right. When you do it, when you reamp it, man, no one's playing off of those sounds because they don't exist mm -hmm. yet. You know, <laughs> exactly. Uh, the second track, I wonder this, this one starts with a technique that I've admired about your playing and it's kind of reminiscent of like a John Hartford meets Danny Barnes. It, it's, I kind of refer to it as like a bluegrass chord melody approach. Do you know what I mean? of like a jazz chord melody but it's but it's rolling and it's bluegrassy and i don't know i'm just wondering how you got to that type of approach or any tips on taking a melody and giving it that type of treatment um yeah yeah man i'm i'm just trying to be as uh as comprehensive as as um you know sonically comprehensive as i can be with it like just fill up as fill up as much because a banjo doesn't fill up as much, fill up much sonic space. You know what I mean? It's not mm -hmm. like a guitar. You don't have as much low into the guitar. So the idea where, where it all comes from is just trying to fill that space with as much chordal content that's not the melody that you can really get a picture for not only the melody, but what's happening underneath it, you know, on, right. on the, on the banjo. And that's, and that's, I just prefer that when I'm playing by myself, you know, I want to hear as much stuff. And that's how the intro of that tune is. It's, it all starts with one, one time through the form on just the banjo. And then the band comes in, exactly. joins, joins along and stuff. I, I think that type of thing is probably what made it work so well for the trio that you were already talking about. When, when you're doing something like that, it's easier to not miss having a guitar playing along. Right. That's yeah, totally. And if there's a guitar playing along, it's harder actually to hear, you know, all that minute stuff, you know, that's come that's coming out of the banjo. That's awesome. 
let's go to ground speed, which is like just shred, <laughs> shred <laughs> version of uh, ground speed. It sounds like at this point you've switched to a solid body banjo as opposed to a, an acoustic that's going through effects. Is that right? Yeah, ground speed is is played on a uh, on a Ian Davidson uh, electric banjo to do that okay. out of Arcata, California. And what's the basic setup on that? Is it roughly like a single coil pickup, like a Telecaster type of thing, or what's the um, what's the vibe of that one? This one. Um, it's a so it's like a solid body um it's it's really it's really cool man it's really fun to play it's a solid body um it's got a head that's like eight inches probably like a, oh, okay you know so so the it's got it's got around an eight inch head so the bridge is a banjo bridge still wooden a wooden banjo bridge sitting on a head just like normal you know so that's where you that's where you get the decay of the note you know which is which okay. is which is ideal so it's solid body it's our semi hollow or whatever you'd want to call it, but it's still got the, the, the wood, the bridge on a head. And so the notes do decay like a banjo, which is key about the whole thing. That's exactly why I asked because yeah, if you, if you do any type of rolling and definitely melodic stuff on most solid body banjos, it's just a mess. Yeah. And and you seem to be able to do it. And I, that seems like it's probably why it's yeah. It's still, it's still, it's still you still have to wrestle it a little bit, but that has a whole lot to do with it. <laughs> then it's got um, two pickups. There's a and it blends them. It's a uh, it's a Seymour Duncan Hot Rails. Uh, mm-hmm. So it so it's like a single coil body with a humbucker, I guess, in it. I don't completely understand how how it works, yeah. but yeah, it's like a humbucker smushed into a single coil. Right. It's just got size. Got yeah. two little rods going down it. You know, um, yep. so. In the neck position, it's got a Seymour Duncan hot rails, and in the under the bridge, it's got a piezo, uh, or piezo, or however you say it, um, mm-hmm. pickup. And uh, there's a knob on the body that just goes left to right. Um, one one way is one, and the other way is the other. And honestly, if you just split it down the middle, it's like pretty dang good. You know, I, I like to lean it on the electric side, on the hot rail side, just a little bit. You know, yeah. Um, but uh, it's sweet, man. It's got a little bit of a radius fingerboard and a little bit of a shorter scale, so you can sort of make some. Oh. You can make a little, a couple stretches that are a little easier to get, you know. Um, yeah, that's nice. So uh, you know, which which if you really get way up the neck, I mean, it might even be such a shorter scale that there's like it's like a whole fret shorter or something the, up in the up in the small zone you know so the the you yeah. can you can really do some fun stuff way up way up the <laughs> neck on it oh that seems cool i'll have to check those out sorry for the interruption folks we'll be right back with the rest of the episode in just a few moments but I had to take this opportunity to tell you about some of the sponsors of Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast. The first one up is Elderly Instruments. 
I always tell people how Elderly is the world's most trusted source for new, used, and vintage stringed instruments of all kind. They're the first place I go for all my banjo needs. And also, by the way, any guitar, violin, ukulele, mandolin needs you have, it, they're going to have all of that. But you don't need to take my word for it anymore, folks. Elderly Instruments was just named the best small business in the country by the United States Chamber of Commerce. So first of all, congratulations to Stan Werben, Lillian Werben, and all the rest of the Elderly family for that remarkable award. And second of all, I encourage you all to go see what the fuss is about. Either get into the showroom in Lansing, Michigan, or visit them online at elderly.com. They have the entire inventory up there. They ship worldwide, and they have that great customer service that wins folks awards. Uh, and they're just a phone call away if you ever need any advice on any of those products. So once again, elderly.com or call them at 517-372-7880. The Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast is also sponsored by our good friends over at Peghead Nation. Peghead Nation is the nation's number one site for streaming video courses in banjo, guitar, mandolin, fiddle, dobro, upright bass, and ukulele where you can learn bluegrass, old time, and many other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in all of Roots music. Here is some of the selections, and this is just the banjo stuff. You can take beginning banjo with Bill Evans, bluegrass banjo with Bill Evans, claw hammer banjo with Evie Layden, Wade Ward style banjo with Bruce Molsky, the banjo according to Danny Barnes, or contemporary bluegrass banjo with Wes Corbett. Now, no matter what course you select, it's going to come with high-quality, multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tablature, play-along tracks, and plenty of tunes and songs to play. And perhaps best of all, Picky Fingers listeners get a month free by entering coupon code PICKYFINGERS, all one word, all lowercase, at checkout. So once more, go to pegheadnation.com and enter PICKYFINGERS at checkout to get your first month free. Picky Fingers Podcast is also brought to you by Sullivan Banjos. Now, I'm very familiar with Sullivan Banjos. I've been playing one for nearly 20 years. I get tons of compliments on that banjo's sound, and that's really no surprise because the Sullivan name has been synonymous with incredible banjo workmanship and tone for decades. So whether you are looking for a pre-war style traditional design on through the craziest custom design you can think of eric sullivan is here for you to make your dreams a reality so get in touch with him over at sullivanbanjo.com email him at sullivanbanjo at gmail.com or sometimes the best way is just the old-fashioned way give him a call at 502-365-5022 and don't forget to tell him that keith at the picky fingers podcast sent you One of the thing that, things that always blows me away about your playing is you just seem to have an endless stream of creative ideas that you're coming up with. And I think over a tune like Ground Speed, it can kind of be daunting, especially when it's like one chord for just large sections. And I don't know, I'd love to hear you just talk about like your approaches for coming up with ways of making Ground Speed interesting, because you're doing a lot on this track. Um, 
Well, oh man, th- well, thank you very much, Keith. That's a very, that's humbling. Uh, you're flattering. You're flattering me over here. Um, <laughs> nobody can see, but I would be blushing, uh, you know. Um, <laughs> I've done the contest thing. I've done banjo contest playing like quite a bit, you right. know. Um, and that is like taking like four four times typically in a, in a contest arrangement you're going to play it like four times or maybe even five times a tune uh play it. when i say it i mean uh any standard fiddle tune or 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 whatever you know yeah and uh i had have literally just sat down and arranged that those type of things and tried to make them interesting on four passes over it you know um uh-huh. so i've got i guess experience in it in that regard um, in trying to create, trying to actually compose. I mean, that's, that's more like composing, you know, cause you're sitting down and preparing your licks ahead of time and stuff. And, yeah. on, and I can tell you, you know, on that lit on the, on the ground speed track there, the, the, the cut that made it on the record, which is live, it's all not, it's not, uh, it's not chopped up and stuff. There's parts of that banjo solo that are improvised and there's parts of them uh-huh. there, there's parts of them that are little, uh, little things that i've used in a contest in a contest before so that okay so is it improvised not quite if if it's a lick you know right i mean you know what i mean like i'm jam i'm jamming on that yeah. tune and there's i throw in a couple little licks that i've used in in my contest thing that i know is going to work and then i and then i'm up the neck and then i slide around and improvise on some stuff and then throw in another little thing you know is going to work and then and then yeah and then I improvised a little way out of it, you know, and that's what happens to be on that track. Then Duncan Wickle plays a fiddle through the Strymon um, Leslie speaker emulator thing. Um, yeah. And that sounds totally wild and crazy. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then Max Johnson plays uh, flat picks on electric fuzz bass solo. Um, so I uh, hope Earl is not rolling in his grave, man. I would like to think that he would dig it. <laughs> <laughs> he might be but uh whatever i i enjoy it anyway yeah max like plays scruggs licks on that track you got to check it out man i mean he's literally like quit and that's all like he was like look basically looking at me with a shit-eating grin and playing the earl scruggs on the bass <laughs> on a flat picking electric bass i was just like I, I still lose it when i when i listen to that it just cracks me up you know it's it's uh it's good. He's good. And it's very, it's taste, it's tasteful and tasteless at the same time. First couple times I listened to it, I actually considered that it might be you playing banjo through like a, a pitch shift. <laughs> that's how much that's how much he nails that's, the Scruggs licks on the bass. I know. And finally, I'm like, no, that's no, that's a bass, but that's crazy. That's that's good. Well, that would be a high compliment. I got to remind, I got to remember to tell Max that because he'll get a kick yeah. out of that, man. Oh, please do. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's great. So uh, I'll I'll press you a little more on on the first thing that I asked, which uh-huh. is so you kind of said you rely on your your skills as like a contest player to to find these variations and stuff. What 
what's your approach to doing that then? If you were uh, going to a contest in a couple months and you knew you wanted to, it doesn't even need to be about ground speed, but um, what are your general approaches for, for crafting these cool variations on melodies? Uh, I know that's a wide open question. <laughs> well, uh, like, like the most, the just sort of the most like, um, checklist, you know, if you were to make a checklist of what you'd wanted to, mm -hmm. what you wanted to do in it, you know, which is, which is like sort of where you start, right? I mean, um, you're going to want to play the melody real good and real clean in a way that everybody hears and understands and knows what tune it is, you know? Um, and then you're going to want to quote enough of the melody within that second round that, that it's still apparent what you're doing and you're not just going off into noodle world, you know, and, uh, and also probably use that second round to get up the neck a little bit, you know, and it's weird, man. Almost all of these tunes are 30 seconds long, like a pass through any fiddle tune, whether it's slow or whether it's fast or whatever, it's like, they 30 seconds yeah they all a lot of them i swear to god a lot of them just add up to like you know between 25 and 35 seconds or something like that you know wow. um okay and so you've got like at winfield is the one the main one at the walnut valley festival that i've done a bunch of times and the timing on that one that's the national banjo contest and the timing there is um five minutes in your round and you got to play your advised to play two tunes pretty much everyone plays two tunes so like an average and you need to tune you know you're going to need to tune change your capo or something like that in between the two songs make sure your banjo's in tune ready to do the next one so yeah. you so you need to not feel rushed in that time in the middle so and it's like uh price is right you can't go over you can you go you can yeah. stay under and you're safe <laughs> and everything's cool but yeah. if you go over you you're out you're disqualified yeah so with all that in mind, you know, if the thing is 30 seconds long and you play it four times, that's two minutes. If you do that twice, that's four minutes. That still leaves you one minute of space A minute, yeah. to get all your tuning and stuff like that done and to also get out safe by, uh, saved by the bell before your before the, before the alarm hits right. or whatever. Right. So, um, that, so four times through anything is pretty much what I would do in a contest as long as it was in that 30 second range, which it probably was going to be. So with that in mind, the first time, you know, like I said, you're going to nail the melody. The second time, um, you're going to make sure you quote enough of the melody and you climb up the neck a little bit. The third time is the one where you can like really sort of go nuts up there. Uh, and you know, it's easier to go nuts and play, shoot some fireworks off up the neck, you know, um so and then the fourth time you're probably going to want to essentially have gotten yourself back down maybe start the melody high but use the second a part to get it back down low enough that you're still like in the that you're that you're back down in the in the money range of the banjo you know below the fifth fret by the time you're playing the last b part of the tune and you can close it out like scruggs you know as 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 banjo is as you can be that's like that's like the uh arc that i would shoot for if i if i were gotcha make the, when i do a contest type thing type arrangement do you feel like even when you're taking a solo that is not pre pre-arranged do you feel like that sensibility creeps into your playing and you play with that 
sort of approach, even when it's completely improvised? A lot of times, yeah. You know, because that's a pretty good, decent shape to work. Right on. Um, let's move ahead to Scorch on the Porch. When do you realize that a tune is going to be like a a rock organ with like a halftime <laughs> drum beat tune rather than more of a bluegrass treatment? See, that's a funny one. That's a good a good one to move to because I have used it in a contest. Uh, I I actually played it at Winfield uh, the time oh, the, no the time that I won. So that's like a that's like a national banjo champion <laughs> champion approved song. Wow. I, I heard some silly thing. And then there's that version of it on the record that is goes to like quarter time, giant drum beat, uh, and yeah. and uh, yeah, I'm playing at one point. Um, Duncan Wickle is playing fiddle through that Leslie simulator, and I'm playing it all on a pog through the, on that electric banjo with a uh, octave generator, three octave generator, right. you know. So that's uh, and it's got a measure of five four. So that one. Is it contains multitudes that and you know any, anything can any tune can sort of go either direction I think if you choose to entertain creating this goofball version of it you know definitely were you just wanting to hear something since you probably played it to death leading up to the contest did you just feel like you wanted to hear something different out of it was was that kind of your thing for the to as to as far as recording it that way you mean for the record yeah um no i don't i don't think it was i don't think it was that man i think i just uh you know and like i said my band had drums and my buddy james kittleman is a is a killer drummer and just always create creative and down with doing something like that you know what i mean uh, yeah. and so uh and so with him so with someone else there that's willing and able to be an awesome part of it and make it happen like that, you're just like, well, hell yeah, we're going to do that. <laughs> yeah, right on. Well, that one's huge sounding. Uh, not quite spring. This one kind of cracked me up when I heard you talk about it on one of your live streams over COVID. So, so <laughs> maybe do the spiel on this one. Tell everyone what, what this one's all about. I'm a skin and bones, nothing left to see. It's about being painted into a Bob Ross painting. Um, about you, you the listener, <laughs> being painted into the Bob Ross painting, or or the singer, or something. You know, um, 
I, it was during COVID, like you said, and uh, I was sitting on the couch and watching a lot of that show. Maybe there may have been a bong hit or two involved in this in the in the in it too, you know. And uh, it, and he paints. Okay, so he paints. Uh, every episode has a name. And if you, it's the name of the episode is the name of the painting that he, the name that he gives the painting when he's done with it at the end of the show. Okay. Um, right. And so, you know, most of those paintings that he's done are like streams and mountain sunsets and fields, and they look like they'd be warm and a nice spot to hang out at um, sure. if, if you were, if you were so lucky. But this one, this episode that I was watching was like, he was painting this mountain this dark, cold mountain uh, with snow, and uh, it was it was spooky looking and cold. It looks like if you were up there, it would not be a good time, you know. And for some reason, that's the one that I chose as the place to be. Like, man, what if you were painted into that, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's colder on this mountain than I ever thought it'd be. Won't you paint my darling right here next to me? There you go. That's yeah, make starts. the best of it. If you're yeah. going to be in the in the cold Bob Ross painting. Yeah, exactly. Back to pedals with circularity. This sounds like Kyle Tuttle locking himself in his bedroom and playing with uh, with your pedal board. Or but what's the what's the signal chain in this? There's definitely like bunch of pitch shifting and echo but maybe like some synth or something i don't know take take us through yeah what's it, going on here he definitely is is uh locked in the teenager locked in the pedal board room you know um i had my <laughs> own i did have my own little when we made that record that was it recorded at the 41 studio 4115 here in nashville and i was in my own little isolation booth back there with all my toys you know so and that's just like improv that that track is just like an improvised thing, you know. Yeah, uh, like a soundscape, yeah, soundscape type, of type, type yeah. thing. There's no, um, there's no, there's there's some improvised composition in that I repeat some phrases uh, over and over again. But that those were improvised it through at the time, you know, is what I mean. Sure. And the signal chain, um, yeah, it's uh, it is an acoustic banjo. That's uh, just a just a plain old banjo. Let's see what would have what would have been going through there. Probably um, two reverbs. One reverb made by uh, or sorry, two delays. One one delay by um, by my friend Noise Kick FX um, out of Baltimore. A delay that's got trails, so you can stop the you can turn off the effect, but you won't lose the wet effect that's been coming from previous stuff because a lot of delay pedals when you turn them off it's just gone and that's no you got to keep the trails yeah that's a very unnatural sound so there's like there's a a trails delay um from noise kick there would be a mxr carbon copy delay to probably usually that one is like extremely short like a slap back you know i just keep it as as like a slap back and only one uh Re- regeneration or whatever repeat, yeah, one, yeah one repeat so there'll be like a tiny slap back which pretty much just makes your note sound bigger sound longer it, yeah. it almost it almost just sounds like one note that's bigger than it was um yeah and so though that's short delay long delay the electro harmonics pog the poly octave uh, polyphonic octave generator um and that what that thing does is um 
it gives you your note and a note, an octave below your note and an octave above your note on three different dials. So um, you you can basically accentuate, you can turn up or down any of those things. And my, yeah. my sort of favorite sound with it is to turn down the note that you're actually playing. So then you're <laughs> you're only playing these other two notes that are then two octaves apart from each other, you know. Right. And that yeah. that comes. And then you don't hear your real note. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You don't hear. That's crazy. You don't hear your real pitch. You just hear these two other pitches. And so I, you know, it's not a hard. It's not zero percent of my note of of the note that I'm playing, but it's probably like I don't remember specifically, but that track is probably like the bass note is turned up. Oh no, no. So a lot of times what I do is the bass note would be 75% and the octave up note would be at more like 40 or 50% because that one can get pretty piercing. Once you get high up on the yeah. neck, it's, it's really hard to listen to. Um, but the low one is sweet. And especially if, you know, in the, in the right situation where you get down to the subs in the, in a rock club or something that note, if oh, they send yeah, it that, right. if they send it that far, you know? Um, so that's cool. Then, oh, then there would be a reverb, a uh, Holy Grail reverb is basically on my board all the time. That's like the best transparent reverb that I've found. And I've tried a handful of other ones and it seems like it's popular to have them like color the sound, which I'm the, I don't want them to color the sound. I want, <laughs> I just yeah. want a transparent reverb. So anyway, the Holy Grail, that's the one that I like. Then... We ran that electric signal into um, a DI that would have gone st straight to the house, you know. So, the, so you got a, a, a clean, you know, clean signal of of that sound, and we sent it to some type of old tube amp in the basement that I didn't see, but I heard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so then, yeah, there's a lot going on. Yeah. So then you're getting, you know, a mix. What you what you're finally ending up with is a mix of the DI signal there, which still has all those effects. There's actually there's no actual clean banjo as a part of it uh, tracked. Unfortunately, there's not like a third clean banjo line, which could have been a possibility. Now that I think about it, but we didn't do that. Um, right. So it's it's the DI line and the amp line of that signal chain. Yeah, that's cool. Saddle up. Seems like another song in our in our recurring theme of like the main character, maybe feeling down and out, maybe having a tough time, but keeping his chin up, staying positive. Is that is that sort of what you envisioned for this one? How many days will it be? How many times will I turn around and see your silhouette in the shadow on the wall? And I need a break, but nothing takes to slow me down My past cannot be where my best is So I'll saddle up each day and ride my buggy into town It's another one uh, that's that where loss is, you know, a focal point of the tune, of the song You know, of the lyrical content of the song Part of the chorus is, uh, you know, my past can't be where my best is And it's just sort of like, a, we, all would, we, we all would hope that we haven't done our best work yet In whatever yeah. part of life it is Whether it's, whether it's um, playing the banjo or, or 
or your personal relationships, uh, you know, or with, with all the different elements of life that we all go through, you know, and struggle with. We, we, it's yeah. better, better days ahead, hopefully, sort of always, you know, um, is, is at least the, the, the mindset um, that I was either, either, either try maybe you know tr trying to create maybe writing writing it it's the type of thing that you manifest maybe write it down so that you think of it so that you have so that you try and create it or something but that's sort of the gist of of the of the lyrical content of that of saddle up definitely yeah and then there's also like a big long jam in it you know and that's and that's the same same thing that one deals a lot with with jeff you know just th thinking a lot of a lot of my thoughts and processing of going through losing Jeff and, and, you know, what it, what it means to, to be a person that so many people look to, you know, and look at and people like that, you might almost think seem invincible to, yeah. to you, but there's more to it than that, especially for, for them, you know? Yeah. Um, you mentioned the, the jam part. Yeah. It's like really great instrumental interplay on that. And I, th I think you've already pretty much, described this but uh, i was i was wondering what the actual recording setup is is everyone in a room and is that how you were able to play off of each other so much it definitely sounds live um it yeah you know that's that's uh um dominic mandel uh, dominic leslie playing mandolin on that track um and cody kilby is on guitar and uh, travis books on bass and julian pinelli is on fiddle travis cody and dom were all in one in one long room with dividers between them, you know? Um, and then Julian was in another room next to that, in a, continuing in that line of people with a glass wall. And then I was actually in another room down the hallway. Um, I had my own, okay. I had my own space, you know, so I could hear everybody, but I could not uh, see them. So it was a live take, but not yeah. uh, immediately in the same space, I guess. Totally. So, you know, they could have, okay. so who knows, who knows what they could have been <laughs> mouthing, <Yeah. laughs> mouthing around the room. Um, no, I'm just kidding. So there, so everything was live. The whole the whole session was was live, and everybody was just in those situations. Yeah, I can tell that one in particular really made me notice the interplay. But yeah, there's a lot of that type of stuff happening. It's great. Yeah, two big hearts. This one is really interesting. <laughs> this one could be like three songs in one. The the initial like shredding solo it's it's very deceptive because it sounds whatever all nice you have this um almost like mariachi sixth type of type of melody happening but uh you get to some vintage 
Kyle Tuttle shredding sections, which is great. I'm wondering if you could go over, do you have any special techniques that you might be able to share with how you play triplets? You, you just have a way of like these cascading triplets that are on full display here. And I don't know if you have different things come up or if, or is there any single approach that you get a lot of mileage out of that you would yeah. be able to share? Um, well, man, thanks. Thanks. I'm, I'm glad you dig it for sure. Um, that, yeah, the, the triplet thing, um, it's all, I guess, forward rolls. I think it's all forward rolls. Um, and yeah, a lot, a lot of, a lot of forward rolls and, and like, um, keeping the index and middle fingers on the first string while maybe you could bounce your, your, your thumb might like move to other strings, but the index and middle stay up on the first string, you know, as you keep some of those, as you keep some of those patterns going. So so okay. the index can also go down to the first string. So it can, it, that can, there can be a lot of like only one note moving and only one note repeating and then one note moving every uh, every third time or every sixth time Three or notes, every, yeah. you know, something like that. Yeah. So there's that's maybe the, that's the technique that's going on there. You know? Yeah, I'll have to decode that somehow. And then back to effects. Is that a is that a real Leslie that the banjo is going through for part of that? That is a real Leslie, man. It's awesome. It's that was so cool. Um, Megan McCormick engineered that. And again, you're that. controlling it in in real time with with the recording. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's totally. nuts. <laughs> I, yeah, I am. I mean, otherwise it wouldn't I wouldn't work. I don't think. You know, I don't think that really? part. I don't think that part would work like that. Um, yeah, that's like so. Megan McCormick engineered that, and um, we we lived together, and we and we lived at the studio at that time this place called the portal and it's a real deal leslie um it's my stereo mic'd on both sides so you're getting you're getting the the full effect of from left stereo mic and then mixed that way so you're getting the full if you listen to it in headphones you're getting the full left to right effect you know which is which is really cool and yeah the speeding up and the slowing down there was just a it was just one button on this controller it's kind of weird this oh, a fast slow a fast button. a fast slow yeah, button yeah. for the rotary you know um yeah and actually maybe we should pause real quick it, it occurs to me that a lot of banjo players might might not be aware or may not have seen what a leslie speaker is so what is this thing that we're talking about yeah 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 a leslie speaker it's it's uh it's super cool it's um a, it's part of it's the sound of an organ is what we all think of as like a b3 uh you know hammond organ um and it's a it's but what it is is a speaker box with one speaker that wrote with a fan i guess over the speaker that rotates around is that how it yeah, works some motor that yeah. spins it around yeah the speaker itself isn't so the speaker points up i think and the, the, a giant speaker points up and then a fan spins in a circle around it above it or a, a little fan of tweeters or something and it's got two speeds there's fast speed and a slow speed and the the really cool 
psychedelic sounding effect of it happens during the speeding up and the slowing down process. So it's not necessarily, yeah. it's not necessarily that you turn it on fast or, or slow to sound cool. It's that you, as you're playing the instrument, you keep, and an organ player will do this as they're playing the instrument, they keep making the change on the, on the thing and, uh, and going from slow to fast. And as that thing speeds up and slows down, you get this really warped sound out of the right. out of the thing you know it's almost like you're going through a, a whirlpool or or a wind tunnel or, or something like that And, and then, you know, that signal path also was, was similar to the one before. It's an acoustic banjo. There's a noise kick delay uh, there's, that's a longer running thing. There's a carbon copy delay that's a shorter running thing. And actually, I think there's two carbon copies on that. Meg loves the carbon copy. So um, I'm pretty sure there's two, actually two MXR carbon copy delays happening on there. Is that the carbon copy at the end doing like yeah. the... Um the feedback yeah. loop, uh, the analog delay thing. Yeah. I forget what you call that. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's, it was, it's, so yeah, that, at that point, that's like, that's like me in real time, kneel down on the floor, the, the, the drum, the drummer <laughs> and the bass player, uh, yeah. James Kittleman on drums and Jeff Saunders on electric bass are just like plugging along on this killer little groove. And I'm like down on the floor with the acoustic banjo run through the, the, the multiple carbon copy delays that's, yeah. that's then run into the stereo mic Leslie. And I've got to like play something to trigger the delay. You know, you, yeah, the oscillation. That's to in order yeah. to make it. So it's like so. There's just some kind of like, you know, as as me just sort of like hitting some hitting some D strings and hitting some G strings with my right hand while I use the left hand to turn that time knob or the feedback knob, I guess, on that MXR carbon copy. And once it builds a nice little feedback loop, then you start to speed yeah. it up and you start to speed it up and you start to speed it up and you at, then at one point you take it all the way up and then all the way back really fast. <laughs> and that's what creates that boom sound, you know? And when you're in the room, it's a really big, when you're in the room through the, this is like a 15 inch Leslie speaker, you know? So it was like big sounding, man. It was really cool. Yeah. And that's why it kind of doesn't even matter what you had played on your banjo, because once it starts taking off, right. it's kind of just getting yeah. screwed with anyway. Yeah, yeah. Then you're just playing the pedal, but you have to have something to trigger the pedal, you know? Yeah. So that's, so there's just, exactly. so it happens twice on that track. Actually, I'm just, I kneel down and I sort of like play, play a couple little notes and then boom at once. And it's like, not quite as good as I had hoped it would be, you know? And so then I just did it again. <laughs> Go for it and, again. Uh, yeah. And got it. And that was, and that was, you know, that's only, I didn't know if all that would make it on the record. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, this is the one, you know, it was just like, mm. we're just experimenting and see what, what we can get, you know? And, and when it came out, it was like, okay, this is, this is actually, that is cool. Turns out, turns yeah. out we'll keep that, you know? Um, oh yeah. And then, I love it. but that track, yeah, two big hearts. It is like a suite really, you know, it's uh, because that whole thing that we're talking about is really like the second song in it essentially you know or even maybe almost the third song um, third yeah, yeah yeah uh and yeah you got this like uh 
I don't know what. Yeah, keep yeah. keep going. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. The first the part section too. The first part's just all all sixth, like you said. A lot of a lot of. Well, there's some. There's a couple thirds. There's some thirds and some sixth of of blue stuff that moves around. Um, and it's kind of it's kind of heady. There's like some key funky key key change stuff. There's like a flat two augmented chord. It sounds all weird and jazzy, you know. And and that theme sort of goes along, and then there's the rock and roll part, and then that theme comes back, and then you and then you finally get into the the other that newer groove happens, and then there's some lyric stuff that goes on in there, and then eventually, finally, after the big sonic booms, then you come back to the the theme from the very beginning with the thirds and the sixth, yeah. you know. So it's a lot of fun. It's a journey. It's a journey. That's for sure. It's an odyssey. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. So you already mentioned about the electric banjo that you used. What what acoustic banjo are people hearing on this recording? The acoustic banjo on the record is the main banjo that I play all the time, have been for a pretty long time. Now it's a 1979 Ode uh, style C with a neck that Robin Smith put on it for me. So it's a, it's a okay. maple neck. It's a very big, fat, wide maple neck with a huge radius and uh jumbo stainless frets and then obviously to get through these effects you had your recording with a pickup what's your what's your pickup of choice these days uh the fishman rare earth pickup has been the one i've been using for a long time man real long time you know nice yeah and was all the acoustic tone the pickup or were you miking up some of this as well on the stuff that sounds like a bluegrass band, the stuff that's like a string band, you know, with um, mm -hmm. with with bluegrass band instrumentation, it was mic'd up. I want to say a U eighty nine, or sorry, a U eighty seven. Oh, you know, okay. Um, okay. Uh, I want to say a U eighty seven and a ribbon mic. That's kind of that's kind of a pretty standard way to mic them, right? Uh, and and then the chain was the pedal chain, the DI chain was on its own. But then, like on the stuff on that two big hearts track, that's just a DI line there's no mic on the banjo for that stuff when you know it's gonna be a little weirder sure yeah yeah nice. it's basically an electric banjo i know we've mentioned several of the musicians but i'm I'm sure we've also forgotten a few so make uh give some shout outs to whoever else is on the album yeah yeah totally um let's see uh yeah there's the there's the string band where uh julian pinelli plays fiddle uh, Cody Kilby on guitar, Dominic Leslie is on mandolin, Travis Book is on the bass. Then there's some electric band stuff where James Kittleman plays drums and Jeff Saunders plays bass. Uh, Meg McCormick also plays bass on one track. Lindsay Lou sings on there, some harmony stuff. Oh, yeah. um, uh, Travis Book sings some parts on there. Alex Spiegelman plays the clarinet on that on i wonder that's another thing that happens there right yeah yeah alec alex was uh alec, alec is um uh, is awesome man he's a monster musician you know and he sent me he he had sent some that's uh, that's one thing that wasn't done live that was overdub you know and he sent me some tracks and they were just he sent me a couple passes you know and they were just all so good that i was like how am i supposed to like pick one of the you know it was one of those moments where you're like how do you pick just one of these things yeah. to put on the track and so then i was like i'm just gonna pan i put two but after after you know the, the song goes half of the song goes by before the clarinet comes in then the clarinet comes in and plays the solo and after his solo is mm -hmm. over and it goes back to the verse of the song i just put two of his passes in together 
and Pandem left extreme hard left and hard right. I've read all the text, still I wonder what's next for me as I leave this whole world. There's good and there's bad, there's happy, there's sad, there's pain and remorse, and there's sorrow, of course, and there's a freedom that's granted to each passing soul as that glorious flag is unfurled. I'll be moving ahead, need no more dying bed, but I wonder as I leave this old world. You know, and so there's actually two there's actually two of him going on playing for a little while there, which is kind of nice. Yeah, I didn't catch that on my listen throughs. I'll have to go back and, and notice that. That's a cool idea. And uh then most importantly, where do where do people uh purchase this music and listen to it and maybe even just check you out and check out tour dates or whatever else you have going on um well it's uh you know kyletuttle.com is going to be the place to find anything any information about me purchasing the record there's going to be some vinyl available um it's not there's not a uh there's not a pre-order link or anything yet um but it will be there's going to be a some limited vinyl pressing so i'm super excited about that um yeah. You know, uh, other than um, <clears throat> other than the vinyl, uh, it's not going to be on CD, at least not right now. So stream away, <laughs> I guess. Right on. Any pizza cutters involved? Any any yeah, bonus yeah, you can, uh, prizes you can, uh, that we can expect? There's uh, well, there's going to be there's definitely going to be a handful of uh, you know the the uh, a handful of pizza cutters going around for sure. Um, that's okay. uh, that's anyone for anyone that doesn't know, you can. Get a pizza cutter with my name on it at kyletuttle.com. <laughs> uh, and they work. They really cut pizza. And they open bottles, too. Um, but uh, they uh, there's also going to be some shirts, you know, and some posters and some some of that, that all that fun stuff available for the record. All right, Kyle. Well, thank you so much for your time. Really digging the album. And, uh, yeah, everyone should check it out. Lots of, lots of banjo goodness to absorb on that. So, yeah, thanks for... Thanks for chatting. Excellent. Thanks, Keith. Thanks for having me. Happy to uh, happy to be here at the Picky Fingers again. Bye, <laughs> right, man. Thanks for doing this. Always a pleasure. All right, folks. That's going to do it for this episode of the Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast. Special thanks once again to Dalton Howard, this episode's VIP supporter of the show. Become a VIP supporter yourself by throwing a few dollars per month over on patreon.com slash banjo podcast or you can always email the show at pickyfingersbanjopodcast at gmail.com don't forget to come say hi to me elderly instruments march 9th 3 p.m for that interview with jim pankey i hope to see you there but otherwise i will see you here next time so long folks <laughs>